On Saturday night, we'll be visiting the most haunted house in Britain. But will the ghosts be there? Can you take it? Ghostwatch, a Screen One special for Halloween, Saturday at 9.25 on One. Good afternoon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 59 of the Seatstruck Movie Podcast. Uh, coming at you, it's uh, October 2nd. Uh, my name's John. Joining me as always, my co-host, Curtis. Hello. And Quinn. Hey, guys. And Simon. Hey, hey. Uh, very excited to talk today. We're kicking off uh, the first of five, I guess, of our spooky canon month. You know, cue the stock like Halloween sounds now. Um, so we're <laughs> I actually will put it in and uh, very, <laughs> very excited to talk. Uh, so this month we're doing a bunch of selections of you know, some of uh, our favorite horror movies, ones that, again, canon series, if we had to, like, have our little Desert Island films, uh, these would be one of them. So we've got a few selections coming uh, this month. Uh, today is my selection. I picked the uh, kind of little-known uh, BBC made-for-TV uh, uh, mockumentary film, Ghost Watch. Uh, of course, before we get into our topic today, we'll get into uh, first... Um, new entries to our watch list and also what we watched this week. So I guess we could kick off uh, new entries to our watch list. And Quinn, you're back today with us this week. Why don't you share uh, some of the new things you've uh, you've recently added? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've added a couple things. Um, the first thing is uh, Smile. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Things. yeah. <laughs> I see those stupid yeah. ads everywhere. God. I know. <laughs> and like, yeah, like they have these people at like Sunday Night Football, like just like grinning in this fucking anyways i've heard mostly bad things about it to be honest with you but i i was like intrigued by seeing this like crazy woman just uh smiling uh Mm. religiously in this crowd i don't know maybe if you have enough weed and drinks it'll be a good movie (laughs) oh definitely yeah (laughs) yeah they they could have easily paid me to do that but um, (laughs) anyways uh, yeah, I know. I added smile. We'll see what happens with that. Um, and the second movie, <clears throat> the second movie that I added is a movie called Something Wicked This Way Comes. Mm, it's Ray Bradbury. I think out of Yes. Yes. And uh, it's a fantasy mystery thriller. And uh, in a small American town, a diabolical circus and its demonic proprietor prey on the town's folk now i read this uh this article about it and it was about specifically about uh fall movies and movies that sort of got you in the uh autumn mood anyways and uh this was like the top choice like people were like oh my god that's my favorite fall movie and immediately makes me into like like it gets me in the fall mood and everything so uh anyways i added it it's from 1983 and uh yeah, it seems like a pretty good movie. Jonathan Price, who's who's great and un- underrated in my opinion. And uh, yeah, so that's all I added uh, this week. What about you, John? Yeah, I've got three added as well. Um, a few of these that, or one of these I would say is one I'm pretty excited to watch too. Uh, the first of these uh, from 2015, a uh, Canadian film as well, d- directed by uh, Andrew uh, Cividino, who actually has also done some Canadian TV work, most notably Schitt's Creek, which is a little bit off kilter from this one. This one is a coming-of-age dramedy. Sorry, it's called Sleeping Giant. Comedy, a coming-of-age dramedy about a group of boys spending their summer together at Lake Superior. Superior. Um, got some film festival buzz when it came out, premiered at Cannes. Um, came on my radar, really excited to check that one out. Another one, which is a, a film that won the uh, a former... Uh, directed by Nanny Moretti, who's a former uh, Palme d'Or winner, Italian director. Uh, Mia Madre also came out in 2015. Uh, Don't really know much about it. It was actually just on my watch list in order. And I'm like, I don't remember when I added this. But uh, from what I've checked out, it seems like a very miserable watch because it's about (laughs) grief and loss. And I wrote Prepare to Cry. So I'm sure it's going to be a total uh, good time for all watching that one. But one I'm very (laughs) excited to watch because I saw that this actually just got a... um, 
I think it's coming out in November, maybe it was October, a Criterion release. Uh, the first uh, Safdie Brothers film, uh, Daddy Long Legs, uh, which came out in 09. Um, this one's a film about a single father who's watching his kids for a couple of weeks and kind of follows uh, his story um, came out again a few years ago. This was predating, uh, of course, Good Time and uh, more recently Uncut Gems, but of course, just got a Criterion release and kind of getting a lot of buzz. So uh, it's been on my radar. So hoping to check this one out uh, soon. Maybe like a mini watch series of, you know, the Safety Bros might be fun. I mean, some of these guys, some of these newer directors only have a couple of films to their name, but um, I, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, the two brothers, uh, Josh and Benny. Um, I really enjoy their stuff and uh, I'm excited for uh, more of their stuff to come. So that's what's on my radar. How about uh, how about you, Simon? Any new stuff you've added on your... Uh... Two watchful is much, much shorter. Uh, Dead for Dollar, uh, it's a Western. I think it's got a uh, Christoph Waltz in it. Anything with Christoph Waltz is a solid gold in my book. <laughs> um, another one, I know nothing about it, but the greatest beer run ever sounds fun um blonde i'm hearing a lot of buzz about that mm-hmm. i gotta give that a watch apparently like 1950s and 60s stars biopics are all the rage these days yeah i'm a, she's great i've heard i've heard the acting i've heard the acting is as good as it gets in a terrible mm-hmm. movie that's, that's what, what i would say too i think she's very I, yeah. I watched i think i think her talent like she's an amazing actress and it looks great but i think that it deserves she deserves like a much better film you know like for her acting I'm, all, I'm also i'm also such a, like i'm such an asshole but like i, wa- I watched the trailer <laughs> and the movie is shot it's black and white but it's shot digitally I'm like mm. could you not have shot it in fucking film <laughs> Like, because it, it looks way different. Like, it, mm. it just, it could have been way better. I, I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but apparently it's like a bunch of Marilyn Monroe's sort of like monumental moments of her life. Yeah. And it's her. it's rough too. Like the first 20 minutes, it's like her awful mother, like mistreating her yeah, basically. But, <laughs> yeah, but I, I, like, it, it would be like, okay, uh, Curtis is born. Curtis rides a bike. <laughs> Curtis graduates from high school. Curtis goes to college. Curtis moves to Germany. Mm, but there's there like films. It, it's like one, but like that's the one thing. So it's like mm. Marilyn Monroe does this. Marilyn Monroe does this two years later. And it's shot in like it's just like parts of her, like memorable parts of her life instead of being like an actual sort of biography, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a true. It's it's based off a Joyce uh, Carol Oates uh, novel as well. Yeah. Too, so I've heard the novel's yeah. good, but yeah, the, the movie's definitely getting a bit of mm. polarizing opinions. I've heard a lot of people compare it to like, uh, you know, stuff like Mall and Driver. It's like a woman in trouble kind of kind of film. But I, I don't know yeah. how you know clear those comparisons are. Out, but I'm excited to check that one out too. Um, but I see Simon. You also got is it Confess Fletch? I, I really want to check that one out. Yeah, so. I. Uh... I, I was like, uh, Fletch has in like Chevy Chase Fletch, and apparently yeah. yeah. The Fletch so, Cinematic yeah. Universe is growing, baby. It's only been 30 years, but... You know, John Hamm, John Hamm is far less uh, irritating than Chevy Chase, though. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's got potential. Um, I've got one more that's not on the list. Um, oh, nice. I'm, I'm in the uh, Vinegar Syndrome uh, Facebook group, and they're, they're, hey, re, re, uh, if you're familiar with the movie Ricky O, the story of Ricky... Uh, Holy shit! I was gonna put that on my watch. <laughs> my, uh... It's getting a 4K release. That's a crazy movie. Ah, uh, yeah, 4K release. <laughs> Wait, Ricky. I'm bummed. The way Ricky is meant to be seen. Uh, Ricky <laughs> is an amazing. Quinn, Quinn you got to watch this one, Ricky Ho. I think amazing story of Ricky. It's batshit. Movie of <laughs> just batshit. Yeah, batshit insanity. It's like a it's like a violent co- comic book come to life. Uh, <laughs> cartoonishly yeah. violent like people get like their intel is ripped out but it's like not gross it's like kind of just funny <laughs> yeah i think peter jackson martial arts uh yeah that kind of splatterfest yeah i mean uh, he gets his uh tendons and his arms severed and right during the fight he ties his tendons back together so he can fight <laughs> like this is that's the insanity like he punches holes in people i mean it's just boom just crazy and then at the end he just like punches a hole through the prison wall i'm like why didn't you do that in the first scene you know okay curtis what did you uh any watch list editions you want to mention yeah so i had a few um first one was um 
Midnight Club, which uh, Katie mentioned last week, Netflix series, new Mike Flanagan series coming out soon. I don't really know what it's about, but I really like Mike Flanagan, <laughs> especially after uh, Midnight Mass. So oh. on my watch list. Yeah. Cool, and cool. Um, I want to watch the new Star Wars series, Andor. That's like a prequel to Rogue One and has uh, Diego Luna again before shit went down. <laughs> why do they call um, it Andor when there's Endor? Like, that's just, it fucks up my brain when I hear that. Yeah, just messing with the universe, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Expanded universe. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I've heard mixed things. I heard, like, people who have watched it said they had no idea what's going on. But, I mean, it, I, it looks kind of fun. And, of course, you know, I like Werner Herzog. So he he's produced a new film called Theater of Thought. It's all about free speech and stuff. So I thought that might be kind of fun to watch because he always has an interesting take on things. Mm. Um. I heard the new Disney Pinocchio was really bad, but like I wanted to watch Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio because I think that might be kind of interesting. So I had that to my I think that's coming out on Netflix soon. Yeah, I think it's coming out in a month or two. Uh, I saw it on your list and I was like, I was like, wait a minute, del Toro directed the Disney Pinocchio? Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I definitely have to watch it. <laughs> my, my son hated it, but man, I'm going to like it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, I, I, I hope this one. I hope this one's better than the the, oh, the, the Max's, one, but... Max's main gripe was uh, uh, Tom Hanks's Geppetto character looked creepy, kind of an uncanny valley <laughs> thing going on. Uh, what is it with, with Tom Hanks and uncanny valley characters? Polar <laughs> Express was god awful. <laughs> so I want to watch. Um, I really like Bella Ramsey in Game of Thrones. She plays like um, Lyanna Stark, one of the young characters, and she's in a film called uh, Catherine called Birdie. I think Lena Dunham directs it. Um, and um, basically it's like set in the middle ages and she kind of like, you know, pisses off the whole like patriarchal thing. So I thought it might be kind of fun to watch kind of a revisionist uh, medieval one. I think it's based on a children's story too. And the last one I added to my watch list was the lost King, which is about uh, when they found uh, Richard the third, the King in the uh, parking lot in uh, England <laughs> pretty recently. I think Steve Coogan's in it too. So I don't know whether it's, I think it's a comedy and a drama, but um. I don't know how it'll turn out, but it's kind of a cool story. So I thought I'd check that out. Cool, cool. Well, I guess we could, for the rest of us, we could uh, chat um, what we watched this week. So uh, Quinn, what did, what new stuff have you uh, checked out recently? Yeah, um, so I watched a couple of things. The first thing I watched uh, was the um, Pennywise, the oh, story yeah. of it documentary uh, based on the oh. TV movie released in 1990. Um, you know what? Uh it was pretty good. A little bit repetitive, like, you know, two thirds of the way in, but uh, um, it was, it was really good to see um, Tim Curry, uh, especially interviewed for this movie and shared his thoughts, Seth Green, um, you know, a, a, a few other guys. So it was nice to see their sort of intake on uh, uh, the making of this movie, uh, which is a movie that I, I, I personally love Um but uh, sort of had mixed reviews, I guess, when it came out. Um, but uh, yeah, no, uh, very good documentary if you want to check that out. The next thing I watched was Dahmer. Uh, very popular, kind of blowing up the internet right now on <laughs> And uh, wow, uh, very, very powerful, very strong, um, especially the acting. The, uh, the set designs were second to none if you do a little bit of research um very 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 impressive um and uh very close oh, to the story too wasn't it like it was pretty it accurate. was yeah no it was it was very accurate uh i ended up searching uh jeffrey Dahmer's uh, apartment photos and oh, like they, they nailed the the, the, the set design. the aquarium with the dead fish in it <laughs> yeah no it was very very impressive um so yeah watch Dahmer if you haven't and then the other I'm, night. Trying, I'm trying to wait for a night where I don't want to be depressed. <laughs> uh, it's, you know what, though, Simon? It's not necessarily depressing. It's just very, like, it's unsettling. Like, you mm -hmm. know, it's very, it's very yeah. unsettling. Yeah, his yeah, dad penalty. I went to the work uh, the very store sick. with my dad. Very, I went to the sick. store with my dad, you know, and yeah. we got some. Yeah, cannibals <laughs> is my, uh, my kryptonite when it comes to horror movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. This, uh, this is some heavy shit uh, mm -hmm. for sure. And then the third thing I watched, I ended up just like going through my uh, my VHS collection and I was like, oh, I'll just throw on a, a horror flick. And the first one I grabbed was The Ring. So I threw it on. And let me tell you this. A lot of people listening to this are going to be pissed when I say this. That movie is fucking horrible. It is horrible. Oh, it's and funny. Fighting words. It's I love, horrible. I love The Ring. 
the the visuals are bad the it's just bad i don't know i i I don't fuck with the ring i remember watching the (laughs) ring when it came out and everyone was like terrified of it and i remember like literally laughing throughout the entire picture but uh just imagine everyone's freaked out you're like like De Niro and Cave Fear in the back with a cigarette, just like, ah, 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 ah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> but, but but then again, though, I I must admit, I also saw the scary movie when it shows like the ring of the well, and then yeah. like some some like chubby guy's ass just gets off oh, the yeah. toilet. And I'm like, like ever since seeing that, I'm just kind of like, oh, <laughs> you can't like unsee it. <laughs> yeah, or or like the woman who's like brushing her hair in the mirror and then like in scary movies she like lifts up her arm and she has like four foot fucking armpit hair so she like gives it the old uh the old how you doing you know like <laughs> I, I don't know like uh i don't know i i don't find the ring uh good and, and 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 i i find that they really tried extra hard to get those visuals hard, yeah and, and and i respect it but it's like super computerized and it just doesn't look good at least on vhs I, w- I wouldn't mind checking it out on like Blu-ray nowadays because there is some scenes that sort of hold up, but yeah, overall, uh, I don't know. I, d- I just don't find it scary, uh, for example, but uh, what about you, Curtis? I watched a couple ones this week. So I watched, uh, I tried watch, I heard a lot about it. Actually, we watched uh, the ward last week. So I, mm-hmm. I wanted, to, it made me think of Girl Interrupted, which I'd heard a lot about. It's kind of this cult 90s film with uh, starring Winona Ryder. And it's based on these memoirs where this woman is uh, living in a uh, uh, um, mental institution in the 1960s to a lot of people compare it to like a female version of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I didn't really think so. Kind of an all-star cast. So they had Angelina Jolie and uh, I think she Brittany Murphy. Or win, didn't she? Yeah, she played like this sociopathic character yeah. too. It's only interesting because it's all these, it's a very accurate representation of mental illness, but people have like borderline personality and like they're put in the <laughs> mental world. So it's just really interesting to think about how much mental health institutions have changed since then um i i thought it was really slow and i really wanted to like it but i just i got i got so bored so i ended up moving on and i watched something else i watched bodies 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 which is probably my favorite one of my favorite horror movies this year too it's an all-star gen z cast uh it has rachel sanat from um sheva baby she's great in this too she's like the mean girl bitch you know <laughs> it was <Huh>. great <laughs> and uh, we have the um um Amanda, uh, St- uh, Amanda Stenberg, uh, who is in uh, The Hate You Give. Mm-hmm. And then her girlfriend is played by uh, Maria Bakalova, who is actually in Bo Rat too. She Bo had a breakthrough. Too, yeah. yeah, yeah. She plays this Eastern European character. It's great. Basically, they go to a hurricane party. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about this. Hosted by Pete Davidson, you know, the douchebag who's like, I don't know what he's famous for, like sleeping with Kim Kardashian. Eating like, yeah, dating <laughs> <Yeah>. women <laughs> who makes it Perman- become a permanent $1 black eyes. Yeah. Yeah. But basically, he's just as much of a douchebag in this movie as you think he'd be. And basically, it's kind of a sat, it's a kind of subversion of the, the satire, uh, the slasher movie. I think you'd really like this, John. And uh, it kind of looks at like kind of our obsession with social media and that sort of thing. Um, and kind of the stigma also kind of your Eastern Europeans face too. And basically they all kind of come class against each other. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like Mean Girls meets Scream, I would say, but it's very Generation Z too. But it's it's so much fun. Uh, if you get a chance to watch it, it's it's really, really great. I also watched um, uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which is a Netflix miniseries. It's an anime miniseries. I'm really picky about my anime. This is a uh, spinoff. It's a prequel to uh, the video game Cyberpunk 2077, which came out last year, but I think it had a ton of bugs. But this miniseries is 10 episodes, 20 minutes each. You can watch in one night, basically. It was so good. I loved it. And uh, I was sad that it was over. And it was <laughs> such a tragic fate for all the characters, but it was just so memorable and so good. So if you do like, uh, you know, your uh, anime series, or if you just want to check out a video game miniseries, that's really good. I would kind of compare it to the Castlevania series, kind of short and sweet and really memorable. That's worth watching. I also watched um, Extraordinary Tales on Shudder. This is a uh, anthology series, and it's based on Edgar Allan Poe's short stories, some of his fa- most famous ones, Telltale Heart, Fall, uh, uh, Fall of the House of Usher. They have uh, you know, uh, Christopher Lee back from the dead reading the uh, uh, Fall of the House of Usher, and you can't get much better than that. But on the other hand, a lot of the animation, like the CGI animation, felt a bit flat. It's all like different uh, animators for each segment. Um, so I kind of had mixed feelings about it. But I mean, if you uh, if you like Poe, obviously it's worth hearing for the, the Christopher Lee reading. It's worth checking out. 
I watched uh, My Best Friend's Exorcism, which came out on Friday. Um, it's on Amazon Prime, I think. And it's based on Grady Hendrix's book, too. Um, kind of the film is really in the Stranger Things uh, vein, you know, like I think a lot of things coming out right now are in the Stranger Things vein, too. But it was kind of fun at first. But after a while, I got kind of tired. It just kind of kept reminding me that I'm in the 80s, too. And I love the book. But the film kind of, uh, um, I don't know, it kind of got dull after a while, too. And just kind of seemed a bit silly and shallow. But I mean, uh, if you want some nice Friday night entertainment, I guess it's okay. And there's a really gross scene with a tapeworm that I won't talk about. But like, ah, it, yeah, no yeah. Simon's like, don't say that. That's my other, I forgot about that. I was parasite. are also and, a, <laughs> pot warning. Bring your barf bags. <laughs> if, I, if I get a tapeworm, I'm done. I mean, I, it's, you know, well, at least it's not skydiving a, without it's, a parasite. It's not a, it's not of the bum, but i won't say anything more oh, okay it's, it's, it's gross, another, yeah. another end you know yeah the other end um but the last thing i watched was uh i, I watched with uh, annika actually we watched blonde a little bit too we uh like, like quinn said too i think like anna dermas she was in she was the you know the re most recent bond girl uh she was in blade <clears> runner 2049 i think she's an amazing actress oh um, she's gorgeous she's beautiful yeah she's spanish too and it's kind of yeah. cute because you like her american english is really good but sometimes Cuban, you hit this right? Yeah, Cuban, Cuban, yeah, Cuban, I think. And uh, you hear those little inflections sometimes that are Spanish, but she nails the role. Um, it's kind of, it's like a disjointed set of memoirs of, of Marilyn Monroe's life. So you, it starts off and you have like her childhood too with her awful mother. And her, there's like a fire in the Hollywood Hills and she wants to go through the fire and she starts hitting her child and trying to drown her. It's crazy. It's crazy. I really didn't like it too. I like, we knew that you know, Marilyn Monroe was abused and exploited and it wasn't my favorite uh, Joyce Carol Oates book either, too. And they have these scenes in black and white, too. And like Quinn was saying, too. But a lot of times, I don't know why it's in black and white. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, I didn't really, really get into it so much. But, um, I mean, it's beautifully shot. And, I mean, it's worth watching, I think, for Ana de Armas. But, again, it's like a three-hour movie, too. So it's quite an investment. But, yeah, maybe, maybe not for me. What did you uh, watch, Quinn? Or I think you said, what did you watch? Uh, I, I don't know who's next. John, I guess? <laughs> me. Yeah, <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I didn't watch a whole lot. I've been, I've been watching. I've been uh, trying to kind of watch ahead on some of the stuff that's coming. And actually, uh, <clears throat> just started watching that that new Game of Thrones show, The House of Dragon. But I'll talk about oh, that right. once it's all done. But uh, I will say, uh, was pleasantly surprised by the first episode. I, I dug it. But we'll, we'll talk more once that whole thing is uh, released. But um, yeah, I watched watched uh, two movies this new two movies this week. Uh, the first one being a documentary that I watched on Arrow, which is uh, called Phil Tippett, Mad Dreams and Monsters. Um, it's a documentary, as you would expect, about Phil Tippett, uh, consists of interviews uh, by with Phil Tippett and also much of his um, his contemporaries and friends and creative and business partners and other people that he's worked with in the um, effects industry and really kind of tells the story of his life and in his kind of career starting from his time as a young child, his influences of, you know, being influenced by like Ray Harryhausen and, you know, the films of the, that he worked on, like Jason and the Argonauts and talking about that type of stop motion special effects work and even talks about his, his own kind of process and getting involved with that. I didn't realize that Phil Tippett, you know, when he was nine years old was doing his own, you know, super eight stop motion films and they're actually wow. quite good. And he actually ended up kind of getting in contact with people who were working um, kind of independently in, in the industry doing this type of work. So he started there and it kind of follows kind of the greatest hits of his career, you know, got involved in working with Star Wars and talks about how he met his wife who became the, you know, the CEO of his own business, Tippett Studios and her big involvement in his life. And also eventually, you know, moving on from Star Wars to his own creative endeavors and then back to kind of the big industry to work on Jurassic Park. And then of course talks about his stuff with uh, Paul Verhoeven, Robocop, Starship Troopers, in the 90s as sort of special effects. It's kind of interesting because, you know, as, you know, as computers came about, it really put kind of the work he was doing, the work of other stop motion artists in jeopardy. But what was really fascinating was, especially for the work that they did in Jurassic Park and Starship Troopers was using stop motion figurines with computers. So rather than have to, you know, take a shot, move an arm, take a shot, move an arm, you could create basically a robot or like some kind of prototype with sensors and have it plugged into a computer and, ha and have it move like that. And then have it mapped into like a 3D animation. So very fascinating how they were able uh, kind of using 
you know, the cutting edge ILM computer stuff. And then, you know, Phil Tippett's, you know, old like clay stuff and using spare parts and stuff to kind of blend both together. It was really interesting. I mean, it, it is a little bit dry because it's really technical. It's really kind of going through all this stuff, but he really came across as a really interesting, thoughtful guy. And then the last bit of this is almost just kind of like promo for Mad God talking about his work on that, which I mean, I love fucking Mad. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. I love Mad God. If you haven't seen Mad God, it's on Shutter. It's on online. Check it out. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think what really shined through too was, um, uh, Phil Tippett's, you know, understanding of kind of the anatomy of characters and showing kind of characterization through stop motion. Like it isn't just clunky movements. Like when you watch something, even like Jason the Argonauts, when you see, you know, the big Colossus statues move, it feels like a statue moving. And a lot of his works, it really shows, you know, animal behavior and kind of the intelligence behind certain things. So it was really interesting to kind of see a lot of his colleagues and people in the industry, you know, really celebrate his career and say, you know, he was someone that really pushed uh, this art form ahead and i really got a, a lot of respect from watching this and and learning a little bit about his uh background so it was a really i would say it's a really good watch and uh i rolled out to the mayfair uh on friday uh to go nice. see a pretty uh little known uh recently i think it was it was restored or it's being it's being released in theaters through the american genre film archive which i love uh, it's a film directed by steve latshaw from 95 called jacko it stars uh, a bunch of no names but it has uh linnea quigley in it it also has uh, john carrie and cameron mitchell and post posthumous roles playing kind of like tv uh folks you see cameron uh, mitchell yeah cameron mitchell's it yeah oh, and, and sign it me was up. really cool yeah and i think it <laughs> came it, out like a year that, after after is it drunk and, drunk and angry Cameron Mitchell or is it a coherent Cameron Mitchell? It's a mostly coherent. It's a pretty small scene though. So, uh, but yeah, the film is okay. It's just sort of like takes place in the sleepy town. It's, it's, I heard it described as sort of like, are you afraid of the dark slash goosebumps meets like Friday the 13th part five, which is actually kind of an apt way of describing it. It's this young boy, this family, they live in this town of Oakmore crossing. It's kind of like a spooky Halloween fall town. And, um, there's a, uh, they, they find out this babysitter, this mysterious woman kind of shows up. She wants to be involved in kind of helping the Halloween decorations. They have this big elaborate setup. Uh, we find out she actually has her ancestors have a past with this family. And we find out uh, that both families were involved in this kind of murder that happened where they killed this warlock and it summoned this like pumpkin monster. And then, you know, all oh, the bunch of drunken teenagers, they knock down his <laughs> grave, they piss on it, metaphorically piss on it. And then, you know, Jacko emerges and it was pretty funny. It's pretty low budget. Um, I did got to crack up though. Cause uh, I watched the whole thing. I did, I did pop out for it because I had to go wash and came back. I'm like, wow, a, a low budget B movie where Linnea quickly keeps her clothes on pretty fascinating. And then I watched the part I missed and it was like a shower scene. So I'm like, okay, never mind about that. <laughs> but, um, it was, it was really fun. It was a Red really media did a thing on it. Yeah, yeah. It was also, yeah, the best of the worst. I think Red Letter Media, they did a they did a video on it. But yeah, I actually had a pretty good time with it. I mean, yeah, it's cheap, it's cheesy. Um, the editing is a mess. Uh, the performances are, you know, for the most part pretty flat, but pretty funny. Uh, the sound works really weird. Like there's a whole bunch of scenes where like an object hits something and there's like no sound. And but there's later scenes where like sound and effects are kind of added to it. So it's kind of like doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, really notably, when this movie came out on DVD in 2005, uh, there, was a there was a commentary between Steve Latshaw, the director, and also one of the uh, uh, people involved in this film um, as well. Uh, I, I think, I can't remember his name. Uh, for, sorry, Fred Olson Ray. And notably in the commentary, they get into a massive argument and tell each other to basically go fuck themselves. And then they leave halfway through the commentary so kind of crazy i think it's on <laughs> youtube actually but uh yeah I had, a, I had a good time with it i i think it's on i i saw it's for sale on i think retro media i think uh um what's his name uh, fred olsen ray i think runs like retro media like a site for like a lot of these like uh restorations and uh it was for sale on blu-ray and before i watched the movie there was a few copies available i went back today just before the pod and there's none available so i guess a few folks watched it and liked it so <laughs> maybe i'll try to pick it up but yeah i had a good time i i wasn't able to make it on saturday to go see fuck the devil one and two so i'm gonna unfortunately i'm gonna have to watch that for my own means and the comfort of my own you home. got to fuck but, the uh, devil on your own time <laughs> i will yeah so that was that was about it for me simon uh, what did you uh, watch this week uh, yeah, I've got quite a few actually. Um, starting off here with, uh, oh, that's fine. That's not wrong list. <laughs> uh, where the where the crawfish sing? Um, well, there's a bit of buzz about this movie, uh, and I think it's it's worthy of a lot of buzz. I think uh, I think you're going to see it uh, talked about at award seasons. It's the kind of movie that the Academy 
would like you know it's a drama but it's it's a period it's kind of a period piece it's kind of you know very dependent on its it's setting when you know it's set in like a it's i'm setting a swamp with this girl who lives on her own and uh, uh she has to navigate being a social outcast from the town that she lives near um there's much more to it but it gives you the general gist of it um i liked it a lot i usually don't go for those kind of movies but um and then also uh on uh netflix uh lou um it's about a a retired uh, CIA agent who uh, goes back for one more job to save a girl. Typical, but well done. The lead actress is really good. Um, she's like tough, believable, but you know, yeah, you sympathize for her. Uh, definitely check that out. Uh, and then uh, I've been catching up on some old movies from my childhood. This one is an old Disney movie called The Last Flight of Noah's Ark, starring Elliot Gould. Is that one of those weird Disney ones? Yeah, and it's a young Rick Schroeder. <laughs> and uh, they crash land a B-29 bomber on an island. With, and they find two Japanese soldiers who think, still, think it's, still think it's World War II. Uh, they, made, they make friends. They convert their plane into a boat and uh, escape the island very typical very hokey uh but i've got fond memories of going to the movies with that to see that as a kid and also uh geez i watched a lot of movies this week we had hurricanes right uh glorious um hurricane party <laughs> yeah right glorious has jk simmons uh as a voice and Ryan something or another, he was in um, True Blood. He was uh, Suki's brother in True Blood. It's, Ryan Philippe, is that it? Uh, or I don't know. Not Reynolds, not the other guy. Um, if I was a Ben Buttercup podcaster, I'd have it on MDB up already. But, uh, oh, that's all right. Um, yeah, anyways, Ryan something or another. Anyways, I haven't seen him in a while. He's good. Uh, it's basically like a Call of Cthulhu cosmic horror insanity kind of movie and it all set in a re in a, in a public restroom <laughs> oh that's <laughs> a weird one that's a new shutter one right where he's like trapped yeah there's, a, there's it's, a glory it's, hole but it's not what you think in that glory hole <laughs> no right uh, yeah that glory hole leads to uh an old an old one was what i think that's what they call uh, an ancient evil god anyways if you're into uh call it cthulhu mythos uh it's right up that alley uh all right um i got two more guys uh the monsters movie on netflix oh, yeah. Yeah. nice <laughs> you know uh, lots of talk going on um i'm not gonna bad mouth it because it it is what it is you know i think it's a unique experience um that no one else is really bringing to the table and uh, I, I, I like most of the actors. Um, I thought the makeup and the hair was real done, well done. Um, and I kind of had fun with it, you know? Um, I, I, and then uh, lastly um, is actually a rewatch because I just love it so much is I don't feel at home in this world. Uh, it's a film directed by Macon Blair. Uh, Macon Blair starred in a bunch of movies. Uh, uh, green room yeah. um blue ruin uh murder party anyways he's directing this and he's got a small part in it um and it's really good it really hits home it really uh delivers on the this world's going crazy and why am i stuck in it and uh i didn't know it but uh, my longtime crush uh, melanie alinsky is starring in it uh I, I had a crush on her from the Red Robin commercials around <laughs> around, around the turn of the, the turn of the millennium. And good, good Elijah uh, uh, Woodroll in it too. He's he's pretty funny in it. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, he, yeah. He's great in it. Uh, and I, then I also found out that she's the uh, uh, the, the Allstate commercial girl for um, the uh, Jake. Uh, Anyway, the Jake commercial. Anyway, I can't really think of it. Anyways, she's been in so much stuff. Um, I did some research on her. Uh, I'm impressed. Uh, so I need to watch more of her stuff. Um, 
and that's going to lead me to just making a suggestion that maybe suggestion that maybe we have a, a episode deli- uh, dedicated to uh, making Blair and the movies that yeah, he's done um, acted in because we can put together four or five real solid movies to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I, I liked I Don't Feel at Home in This World. I love that movie. And, and Green, of course, Green Room was one I watched recently. And Green I, Room, Blue Ruin, Blue really Party. Those are I, mean, all yeah, I haven't seen Blue Ruin, but I've heard people say like, Blue Ruin's crazy, yeah. I, I, I tweeted at Make It Blair on the, uh, I said, hey, I'm about to have a murder party, Blue Ruin, Green Room uh, watching party. And he's like, oh, I hope you stock up on beer. And then I, <laughs> I I picked his brain a little bit and I said, hey, you got anything in the works? And apparently he just wrapped up uh, filming a remake of the uh, Toxic Avenger. Um, oh, actually? Really? Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, nice. wow. Is, know, is trauma right? is like trauma involved in it? Is it I just don't like think trauma is involved in it. Oh wow, that's gonna be interesting. I, 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 I think Bacon Blair is like so good, so good it's than, good, <laughs> right? Wow, that's crazy. I, I know. I, I'm delivering the scoop here, right? Yeah. Wow. Breaking yeah. TMC wow. podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. And then uh, he also said that uh, his director buddy that he works with has got something else coming out too soon. Uh, I don't remember. I wish I was better with his name. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. Jeremy Solnier. Um, he's a very talented director. Uh, I was kind of disappointed in some of his recent stuff. He did like a straight to Netflix uh, movie that wasn't good. Uh, uh, I think it was called Hold the Dark. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I didn't like that either. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Uh and then he just did a, uh, a True Detective TV uh, episode, two of them. But he's got one called Rebel Ridge coming out. Um, uh, it's like a thriller, um, dark humor. What would you expect from him? Anyways, it's good to see that he's returning back to form. Whew, well, I've monopolized enough of you guys' time. What's, uh, who's next? Anybody else? But that takes us, of course, to uh, our topic of the day, which is the uh, 1993, 92, sorry, Halloween night um, film, Ghost Watch. Now, um, this is my selection, so I really wanted to talk about Ghost Watch, a film that I've always enjoyed. And, and you know, my first experience with Ghost Watch actually was years and years and years ago. Um, back in the mid-aughts, there was a bunch of these, like, top 100 scariest movie moments ever there was like a bravo series they did there was also a a british channel 4 series which was very similar but had more british entries and i remember watching it i don't think i watched on tv i think i watched on youtube back when like youtube was kind of just coming out and they had the full thing on there back when like youtube first came out and people were just throwing up like endless amounts of free shit all chopped up and you could just watch it you know before copyright stuff kicked in but i remember watching it there and that's when i found out about this movie i remember they showed the scene where after, you know, we see the girl make up the noise where everything starts to fall apart. And then we see the girl, you know, speaking in Pipe's voice. Um, that scene was Scratch marks all over And I remember face. being like, wow, this seems really interesting. And then when I was in high school, um, I, of course, you know, after watching Blair Witch when I was younger, I became kind of a fan of fan footage. Although I wouldn't, this film technically isn't a fan footage film. It's a, it's presented as a straightforward, like fake yeah, TV it's like, it's like a full broadcast yeah, people tend, I mean, this this film comes up when you talk like found footage. People tend to use found footage as a kind of terminology kind of loosely, but this is more just like mockumentary, but uh, I was getting really into those kind of movies when I was in high school and this was when I watched it. And I just remember the first time I watched it, I was in on my, t- my computer, my parents' basement, I had the lights off watching this, probably some kind of shitty AVI file. And I absolutely scared the shit out of me. Like, I think there's something to be said for watching this for the first time because, you know, I, I knew what was going to happen rewatching it, but watching it for the first time, really going in blind and not really knowing what to expect. It made me think of some of the other style of films like this, like a film like Special Bulletin, which if you don't know, is a film that's presented as like a live TV broadcast of terrorists hijacking this ship and we find out it has a nuclear weapon and you know things go very very badly but it's presented as like a tv program i remember watching as a kid on tv and being like is this real and is this a news program and that was really kind of one of the big aspects of this film because this film is presented as a like bbc you know special program and even the cast themselves we have uh figures um in this film that are you know cast that were actual presenters in 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 the in the program itself too so if you're watching this as a blind viewer you know it wouldn't be fair to you know mistake michael parkinson as you know michael parkinson playing himself you know the television uh presenter um so 
what is ghost watch actually before i move on has was this a first time watch for you guys or have you guys seen no ghost watch I, i'd watch it before so i had a friend actually she couldn't make it on today but she's a huge uh, uh british uh, i guess anglophile so <laughs> she knows all the british stuff so she actually introduced it to me too and i watched a couple years ago and i i really enjoyed it back then too in the first half almost lost me but then when you get to the second half like holy shit it lulls you into that false sense of security and then like mm-hmm. rips the carpet out under you <laughs> so. yeah how about you simon uh you know i had never even heard of it um Ooh. and so this is the first time watch um I, I i didn't i wasn't able to finish it yet uh um guilty um but <laughs> i'll finish it up but uh, you know what the first few minutes had my skin crawling um yeah. it, it was really effective what they were doing but then it all got kind of reversed when i saw the actors trying to play a family <laughs> <laughs> like like that maybe back in the 90s i would have thought it was real but you know these days you know we're a little bit more savvy i think there was one scene for me that really like scared the shit out of me when i first saw it um there's that one scene where they're like panning past the doorway and you see like the guys like outline in the doorway like yeah, the, cat the killer guy and i like the pipes you know and i, I almost screamed because i was like that <laughs> ah <laughs> <laughs> So this film, so what is this film about? This film is about the supposed investigation into a house in uh, North Holt, London, where this paranormal activity is playing, taking place. We see, as Simon mentioned at the beginning of his program, they play this little home okay. video of the supposed paranormal phenomenon. It's quite disturbing and quite shocking, you know, seeing their panic reactions and screaming and terror. It is very disturbing. And then we see the rest of the crew set up. We see a bunch of the television folks are involved in this program. Michael Parkinson is kind of like the the main host. You kind of also involved with uh, this doctor played by Jillian Bevan, who's sort of this like paranormal doctor. And him and her have these kind of scenes during the film where they kind of talk about what just happened and kind of walk you through also kind of the lore, the background of what's happening because she's trying to find out more information. She had spoken to the family. She's actually met them, so she knows what they're going through. And we also go to other groups. We see Mike Smith, who's handling the phone calls, who becomes a big part of this going onward. And then Craig Charles, who's funny in this because he's kind of a man on the street. He's actually set up with the television camera crew outside the house. And he's kind of goofing off the whole time. Like he's just like he's taking it pretty uh, not too seriously and having a good time. I mean, it is Halloween after all. So people are out and about trick or treating and stuff like that. Um, yeah, the story of this starts off pretty plain. You know, the reporters, the reporters are mostly kind of bemused. They're not really all that engaged. But the kind of the interesting thing about this is they ask viewers to call in. So there's a little bit of almost like an interactivity set up at the hop. So they ask viewers to call in. And I, I thought that was interesting kind of as this movie played out because, you know, there's that great scene where, you know, probably like 25 minutes in, a half an hour in, we get our first viewer call and they're like, oh yeah, that little video we saw way at the beginning, did you guys not know there was a man in the curtain? And, you know, that plays the video again, we see this creepy man. I thought it was interesting because I was like, I'm going to rewind and see if that's actually there. Turns out he's not in the original part of the beginning. But as I was thinking about it, like, I thought that was so interesting because you already, that moment, not only is, you know, in the text of the film is like, makes you feel interactive and there's other people involved you as a viewer are kind of tipped off i should start paying attention to like weird things that are happening you know you're a little bit at unease just the way the camera moves around and fixates on certain items you're a little bit you have a little bit of unease and so as the movie kind of goes on you're you're then in that mode of i'm gonna really kind of pay attention to kind of weird interactions or or just stuff in the background and you know that's sort of part of the scariness of this film is the horror of this film is that you know we see i think there's a a confirmed 13 appearances of pipes in various scenes of this film. Um, (laughs) It's funny. There's a scene where they're out in a park and the camera fixates on the two people interviewing. There's a strange man way, 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 way in the back. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's pipes. Like I was so scared. And then later, like they kind of walk by and it's not, it's actually someone else. But in that crowd, they walk past pipes is actually there. And I missed that because I was so fixated on this weird shapely guy far away. Granted, I'm watching this on a pretty crappy like well, video copy. So I don't it, know if it was. Uh... It's interesting, too, because, you know, if you think of the Conjuring 2, which looked at the case of the Enfield poltergeist, too, yeah. which is pol- just poltergeist activity. This is kind of a more demonic activity because you have the poltergeist activity, but you also have this like apparitions and you have uh you know, like other demonic, you know, possession and stuff too. So, I mean, it, it's more like dem- demon presence than a poltergeist, I think, you know, which yeah. is quite disturbing, you know, and then the scratch marks. I mean, I've been scratched before when I was in Edinburgh. It's quite scary, but I never had like the, you know, like looks like some, like a cat clawed me in the face, you know? Yeah. It, I mean, 
the film, a lot of this, as we're saying, is it's sort of a slow burn. It's so like the first, and then actually rewatching it, I was actually surprised at how kind of long it takes for stuff to kick in. Cause like for me, remembering my first time watching it, I'm like, oh man, shit's about to fly off the handle, but it really does take its time. It's like a good, I think 35 minutes in until we see that kind of first collar call back in or, or 25, 35 minutes in. It really, I, I think, you know, almost a part of its fail, well, part of its, the parts that it struggles with is that it adheres so hard to the form of being a relatively dry TV program. Like we get the presenters themselves, you yeah, know, you can almost themselves. fall asleep in the first 45 yeah. minutes if you're not and careful. They're, you know? they're not exactly like they're, they're doing good. Like they are television presenters. They come across like it, but it is presented like a dry program. They're not exactly selling the emotions as like, you know, proper actors would. And while it is, you know, realist it, it, at the same time, it, it means that it is kind of, it does sort of, sort of lend you to kind of getting a little bit bored by it. But when starts stuff starts to kind of trickle in, you know, it kind of hooks you back in. Um, and um, one of the things that I noticed as well, too, is sort of there's this kind of theme around, you know, kind of like the men in this film versus the women. Like we see all the pretty much exclusively all the men in this film, you know, Michael Parkinson, uh, the, the TV guy, Mike Smith, that obnoxious guy from New York. Yeah, the, who calls the, the skeptic, in. yeah. <laughs> they're all they're all skeptical. They're men of science. They don't really believe what's going on. If, if they're just sort of unengaged, they're actually mocking what, what it. Is, like what, the what scene is he saying? He's like, Sarah. oh, why don't you uh, go and do some palm reading or something? <laughs> yeah, funny. but kind of curiously, all the women in this are actually the ones who are the ones who actually take it yeah. somewhat seriously at the very least they say you know what this these family went through is really traumatic and we should you know mm. listen to them at the very least and not ride them off and i thought that was kind of interesting in that and i think like that one reporter yeah. uh sarah green she almost takes on this kind of quasi-heroic role too because at the end she's like yeah bring your camera over here we need to see this and like the lights are going like crazy and stuff and <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and a little bit too around media, media bias because you know a lot of this film is sort of the media's perspective and, 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 you know, like typical news, like talking head media, it's like, we have to have the balance of both sides. So it's like, we see all this crazy shit happening. That's unexplainable. It's like, all right, now we cut to our debate, our doctor versus our guy in New York. And it's, you know, it's presented in a way where you, you're kind of thinking about, is this be giving me a fair analysis of what I'm watching and kind of seeing how, as things escalate and, you know, we find out, and especially the callers calling in about weird phenomena too, where it becomes pretty clear that there's no way of saying that there isn't something crazy going on. It's kind of interesting to see that kind of uh, facade crack and also, you know, that balance between what's happening at the home versus in the studio. Um, so kind of interesting, you know, this film, as it goes on, as I mentioned, there's this call in aspect. So they show, they show a phone number, they say, call in if you have something scary happen to you. In real life, um, if you called that number while you were watching the program, it was a real call-in number. And so callers would actually were calling in when they called into the, the show they were watching. They got a message saying that telling them that the show is fictional um, but before being given a chance to actually share their own ghost stories. However, the phone line quickly became besieged by callers during the showing. Many people um, who telephoned actually just got an engaged tone. So they actually didn't know that the voice said, you know, this is a fake program. And so that kind of happened and kind of built the level of realism. So people did really think it was uh, Orson truly Wells real. Yeah. yeah. This was kind of like the later 20th century you know, version of kind of the famous Orson Welles war of the world's radio broadcast, which caused kind of a big public panic of people thinking it was real. And likewise, this actually was a massive phenomenon BBC after it came out. It's kind of funny. There's actually, I think on YouTube, there was a, a video that shows you know, BBC right before this aired and right after. And it's pretty clear that it's not uh, an actual program. It's it's like it's presented as a movie and there's credits at the end, too. But, you know, nonetheless, again, TV viewers back then weren't always starting at the beginning of the end. They're they're checking in as it's going on. So if you just casually checked in, um, you might have thought otherwise. So, you know, this became uh, they received an onslaught of complaints and phone calls. I think roughly 30,000 people called in to some degree. Many of the people were disturbed, frightened by what they watched. Even Michael Par Parkinson's elderly mother apparently called in, uh, disturbed by what she had seen on TV. Um, it, the, the fervor behind it was so big that Sarah Green, you know, who plays kind of the main woman involved in the house, she actually had to go on on the uh -huh. Saturday morning kids program to kind of assure people that she was okay. It made me think of like the Blair Witch when like the cast was on IMDb listed as actually deceased or whatever. And they had to like well, backtrack and say, no, 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 they're actually okay. Um, <laughs> it's interesting on a meta meta level too, because like when it starts becoming more historical in the film, you get all these colors and being like, Oh, this woman who killed babies, she like used to live in this property, you know, like, and it's like all these kind of anonymous colors who have this mm -hmm. kind of similar kind of, uh, you know, 
concerns, you know, in the in the actual film, which I thought was interesting. I want to I want to mention a reference to uh, I think it was Cannibal Holocaust that was uh, filmed so realistically that they yeah. thought that people were dead. You had to go on trial for it. Yeah, Rodrigo yeah. Donato had to go on trial for like manslaughter yeah. or whatever. How did you do that woman in a stabbed by a stake? You know, or whatever. Right. Um, stake. I hate all those Italian cannibal movies only because yeah. they kill they kill real animals on the on yeah I I identify with that turtle when I watched that movie um, and I, I had to skip that scene. <laughs> well, frankly, I, I some of the Mondo films were directed by literal like sex pests and criminals themselves, so mm-hmm. I mean I can't give them too much credit in that regard. Yeah, it's like uh, wandering in the jungle. Okay, let's let's throw a giant lizard and a monkey together, and we'll watch them kill each other for entertainment yeah and what does this mean about violence in society it's like i don't know you sound like a fucking asshole for pitting these animals against each other (laughs) i'm not trying to make these larger points they're just might have something to say Uh, yeah exactly (laughs) the jungle is nothing but chaos jungle (laughs) but i love it (laughs) yeah um yeah this film is interesting too because again became a huge kind of create a lot of negative buzz but there was also a lot of stuff that came after the film that actually caused some controversy and actually some legal controversy as well too there was a uh, an 18 year old factory worker his name was martin benham who at the time he had suffered from learning disabilities um and he was kind of a little bit mentally challenged he actually committed suicide uh, roughly five days after this program and allegedly um after this program aired he was suffering from nightmares and was obsessed with the movie uh, i guess the family home actually had a faulty central heating system that would cause Knox just like pipes the 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 kind of spirit or or ghost in this film and so he actually left a suicide note kind of vaguely referencing kind of the events and so this became a huge a huge kind of news story at the time and actually there had been other complaints and actually there was an investigation into the BBC when it came to this program uh, the BBC ended up not being liable of course for anything but um it was kind of it kind of left this legacy of this kind of film and of course ever since then ghost watch has never been shown again on british television to this day it's still kind of taboo and it wasn't really until recent years where a lot of people really were able to access this film this was kind of a little bit of like almost an apocryphal release like a lot of people who saw this at the time were quite influenced by it but the film was kind of released and gone um until recent years so you know it's been released on it was released on tape and dvd and actually coming out i think in december there's a because this year is the 30th anniversary this halloween will be the 30th anniversary of this uh film so it's going to be getting a special uh 30th anniversary release there was also a documentary made uh roughly about 10 years ago to 10 years ago called uh, ghost watch behind the curtain i did watch a bit of it but yeah, i was gonna uh, ask Frank, if you guys watched it yeah yeah i watched I, I only watched like a good 15 minutes it was getting a little late last night so i'm like i don't have time to watch so i didn't want to stay up <laughs> till like 2 a.m but it was pretty good it, it gives you kind of a really interesting background into you know the development of the program and then you know of course all the shit that happened later kind of legally with it um and i think this program itself i i think it's fair to say that this was a very influential kind of film in that kind of you know rough mockumentary found footage especially with horror films um no, notably the a film i love the the film host the 2020 you know zoom horror film uh there's actually a direct reference to ghost watch there's a zoom id shown on screen that says 3110 sorry 3110 um which is the year october 31st 1992 the year ghost watch came out i i even think a film like uh, WNUF a Halloween uh, special or whatever that like that similar program it's sort of like cuts between this local TV broadcast of the spooky house versus a bunch of commercials very obviously inspired by Ghostwatch I don't think that movie's quite as good but mm. it does obviously share you know the same subject matter and DNA as Ghostwatch and yeah I mean I really think the film is actually quite effective and coming back to it a second time it's a great uh, concept yeah, I think while it didn't initially shock me as much as you know it did the first time blind watching it, where it almost felt a little bit dangerous. Like, why? What is this program? It is still quite effective. I mean, especially the scene where we find out the little girl is actually you, the camera shows her, you know, knocking on the walls, and you think, okay, maybe there's weird stuff going on, but like clearly this is all fake. And then as soon as they all come downstairs, like weird shit banging starts to happen. And then, of course, we get the young girl who's, you know, her face was all scratched up too. then speaking in this kind of monstrous voice. And it's quite shocking. And even later in the film where we get the scene where it's like they're all sitting around like chatting 
And then, you know, they're like, okay, whatever. And they cut back and they're like, wait a minute, like what's going on on the wall? Because, you know, of course the, the, the thing fell off the wall and we find out, you know, that the spirit has actually taken over the broadcast itself and manipulated it. I, I think it's still quite an effective film. I mean, it's almost like too close to trying to be a TV program for its own good, because I think a lot of the things that the film struggles with is because it's trying to be so realistic and take things almost a bit too slowly. Uh, but I think, I think it's still quite an impressive effort for what it's doing. Absolutely too. And I think it holds up pretty well. Like, I mean, some of the effects can be quite dated too, but I think just the unpredictability of it too, and you don't know where the narrative is going to go to. And just mm. since it sets it up as almost this kind of neo-realist style, I mean, you really don't know where it's going to take you to, and you, you feel like it is almost real. And if you didn't know the context, I mean, I could be watching this in the nineties and think this is all actually happening too, because yeah. I mean, I think it, it was a good idea to bring the real broadcasters in, and they just basically have to play themselves unless as Simon said, they're playing a family, you know? So <laughs> Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the way they're all standing next to each other, like there's, you know, they're standing on, on their, on their, uh, spots uh assigned to them all the block they, they, i think they call it blocking um you know it, it's very obvious that they weren't just regular people but um i, I didn't let that uh take away this just the scary crap that was happening yeah there's um, actually also sorry to cut you there's also a scene where the police are coming and if you actually look you could see a policewoman laughing or like trying to suppress a laugh so yeah it's another if you really pay attention you know, you could see a bit of the seams on the edge of it, but uh, the fact that they pulled it off, I think, is, you know, it's pretty good. But, yeah, it, it does have yeah, its the, moments of... The, the, the hosts were a little cheeky at times, too, but... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> what did, uh, Quinn, what did you think about uh, about Ghostwatch? Yeah, man, no, really good. It, it actually sort of... Uh, this one sort of hit me hard because um, it reminded me of, like, old documentaries I used to watch when I was in Scotland when I was a kid. And mm -hmm. like a lot of like, number one, my, my favorite aspect, I mean, I, I thought it was good filmmaking and stuff like that. And like a, a, a good, uh, a good British horror, if you will. But I really loved the uh, just, just the, the sort of soothing voice of the, uh, of the host and the, the narrator. <laughs> like I, I, it was so like, like the, this movie is so British, you know, it's yeah. like, <laughs> it really is British. And, um, but no, man, like I, I, I was really like thoroughly entertained. And like, I, I thought it was a really good uh, sort of uh, piece. Um, you know, I, I could see why I could see where it gets this sort of cult cult status and uh, sort of like controversy, I guess, but um, no, man, like overall, I, I was, I, yeah, I was I was really impressed by it. Yeah, and I, I think it's a film that really could only exist in the time it came out, you know, because if, if they tried to do something like this now, even on broadcasting, you know, with Twitter and stuff, people would communicate with each other and try to yeah. confirm if this was real or not. You know, this is coming from a time when you're either getting stuff from the radio or TV and, you know, internet was very minimal. It was just college kids and people had access to a, a system with Usenet or something. It wasn't, it wasn't the common people. So, right. you know, this comes out and, you know, I can see why this would cause, you know, some further, but it does kind of show you again, how powerful, you know, public panic can be when, you know, a few people report something and it can easily snowball. And I think we look at all these instances of the complaints they got. And it, to me, it is sort of a little bit of, I no doubt the kids saw the program or people saw the program and were scared by it, but a lot of it was, you know, taking what they saw, and applying it to their own issues that were already happening and kind of using that to kind of explain away, you know, this was the cause of this, which, you know, obviously is a, it's a little bit more than that, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that you liked it. And I, I do think that, again, I would recommend people to check this out. I will say right now, it was for a period of time actually streaming on Shutter, the service, but at least in Canada, it isn't currently, but I, I suspect it'll be back. A lot of these programs come and go. Yeah, it's on so. uh, archive.org too, if, if, uh, if it's, if you can't find it anywhere. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would tell people just watch it if you can find it anywhere, because mm -hmm. like really like uh, very few releases of this, you're not hurting anyone. This guy aired 30 years ago, you can watch it. If you feel bad, you know, buy the documentary DVD or something. I don't know. Uh, they, I actually like want to say that, um, you know, directed by Leslie Manning, written by Stephen Vogue. He's really actually the man who kind of is kind of the creative force behind this because he's the, he's the man who wrote the script, uh, was involved heavily in this film. He actually um, is a 
pretty accomplished um, film writer and also kind of novelist as well too. And he's done, I'm not really familiar with all the films that he's written, but he's written other kind of horror films that are uh, pretty, pretty popular. And actually he wrote a short story sequel, sequel titled uh, 3110, which is, uh, he publishes a free PDF online. I haven't read it yet, but I'd be interested to kind of check it out. I think the, the whole pipes kind of ghost is really interesting because again, it's presented where the kids refer to this ghost as pipes. You don't really know, who this is and what it is. And that's kind of the horror sets in. It becomes pretty. Yeah. You, know, you hear it through expo- exposition, like dialogue and stuff too, which is interesting, you know, like panicked phone calls or like, you know, the, the mother has like some knowledge that she doesn't let out until later, you know, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And, and the doctor character is really kind of the, she's kind of given the label as like, you're the exposition lady, like who has to tell us what's going on, but it is kind of effective because again, it's meant to be a realist TV program. So you couldn't get away with that. And then like a more conventional film, but you know, she does a good job at I think being kind of captivating, kind of keeping us along. And there's also that great moment where they're listening to the tape. And again, if you look at her, you see the shape appear behind her of pipes. And so another appearance of pipes, that's a pretty big one. When you see that you're like, Holy shit. And again, it's that idea of, it's something it reminded me of Blair Witch again because Blair Witch similarly it's filmed and shot in a way with its low quality camera where you don't really know what is going on all the time and like you can really actually focus clearly on things when things are happening and you kind of fill in the gaps with your own imagination you get a little bit of that here where there's even uh, there's even scenes I think there's a scene where you see in the sliver of a mirror where there's a, I saw a YouTube video where it's like is that pipes question mark and people are actually debating if that's pipes or not and the filmmakers are like not confirming so there's still a little bit of mystery left after that too where people are still even to this day you know combing through the movie and trying to find kind of hidden clues or things uh put into it which i think is like you know a testament to how well they kind of laid out kind of just the the house itself and and the story and the characters so um yeah overall pretty good did you guys have anything else about the film that really stood out to you or you want to mention I, i do think like uh, that scene where the girl speaks in that voice it's just oh even watching it again it's still kind With of the scratch out. marks on her face <laughs> yeah i think there was that one scene too where, for me that where they were like just watching it a second time where they were showing the photographs of her with all the scratches that was quite disturbing for me yeah. i think see that again and it was really well done like the special effects i think were quite well done yeah oh, yeah but uh but, in that case for a tv movie too like yeah in uh yeah no i i was very impressed by it yeah, a lot of TV films, even like a lot of TV horrors, especially are, are pretty placid. You know, they're kind of conventional, very low budget. I mean, this is shot on film. This is shot on video, too, but they're, they feel very stilted. And but this one, because it's, you know, got the BBC funding, it's presented as a program, all of that stuff. It does have and it's, it's a bit more heady than a lot of the other type of TV horrors that would have been coming at the time. Like it, there's something about it that does feel kind of special and it's just it's so atypical to see something like this. We really haven't seen a program, you know, like this come out again. And I don't know if we ever will, at least on broadcast, but um, I, yeah, I, I, I think was, we could probably get into our ratings. I obviously very positive. I picked this one. I gave it a four and a half. I always wanted to give it a five, but I did find on rewatch, it was a little bit slower. Like there was a good, I think I got to the 40 minute mark and I was like, the red flags are starting to go up. I'm like, Oh, I hope this is still. <laughs> and then the last like 30 minutes is just perfect. But it was if you if you can if you could really stick with it i would say if you're watching it and you're kind of a little bit bored i would say just kind of give it a fair shot stick with it because it does it is a bit of a slow burn for at least the first hour (laughs) yeah but i i think it's still a really incredible film and for what it's doing with the the limitations it had with television i I think it's still impressive and just kind of the buzz around this the making of this film and the impact it left is is worth is worth visiting it for sure so so four and a half for me how about uh, how about you simon uh, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna abstain from giving it a score. Ah, fair enough. You know what? I I, I, I saw about half an hour of it, and uh, it's not fair. Okay, that's very respectful to to abstain. Maybe we'll ask uh, Quinn because Quinn has to go soon. I think. So. Oh, okay, yeah. What do you think, Quinn? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, I had never heard of this before. I'm really glad John suggested it. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I love uh, British television and British movies and all that. So. Uh, I gave it a, a four and a half out of five. Like John said, it has its flaws. It's not a perfect movie, um, but it, I, I thought it was a fantastic attempt. Yeah, no, it, it's it's a piece of art. I actually really liked it. And uh, I'm looking forward to like showing it to people and suggesting it to people. So uh, yeah. I really appreciate um, the uh, the recommendation for sure. So yeah, four out of five for, or four, 
four and a half, sorry, uh, out of five for me. <clears throat> yeah, and I gave it a four, I gave it a four out of five. Uh, I I really liked it. Um, I think it's aged pretty well too. Yeah. I mean, again, like the, I think the first forty minutes are a bit slow, but I mean, it, I understand the concept too. Um, but I think it leads up. You know, it's worth that final like thirty minutes. It's really satisfying too. So four out of five for me. Oh, cool. Gives us a 4.3 out of five. So pretty, pretty decent. So yeah, I mean, I almost want to put before this podcast, like a little disclaimer, like should we'll really, really watch this before you listen, because I do think going into this. Really yeah. Don't, blind, don't Google it. Don't Google it. <laughs> have it, you know, recorded on a shitty, watch it on a shitty computer stream or like a tape, like in the dark without much knowledge it, uh, to me, like the first experience of watching this without knowing, really knowing, knowing what's going on really adds to the horror, but it's still yeah. a really good film. So if you listen all the way through and you're like, Oh, pipe sounds cool. Yeah. Check it out. It's still really fun. So check out ghost watch wherever you can. Um, but don't worry folks, we got more spooky canon to come. Uh, we've got some films picked by our beloved co-host Curtis, I believe you're next. The, uh, uh yeah. film. Uh, and the cameo, with, par- with Ty West and cameo. So oh, yeah, playing ex- a director. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> First one to die. No uh, spoiler, but that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Whatever. And, uh, and then we've got uh, this, the Slumber Party Massacre up next. And then we got one, yeah. a couple of Quinn's ones, I think. Yeah, I think uh, Elvira, Elvira and, 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 uh, and uh, I'm listening to her next again. Fright, Fright Night, Night, yeah. Fright Night, yeah. And we'll be doing some uh, Halloween ones to follow as well, too. We're going to do finish up our Carpenter with uh, some bonus Carpenter talking Halloween two and three. And, you know, for the sake of being completionists, we're going to finish up uh, the latter sequels, uh, which I actually haven't seen. Actually, it's not true. I've seen I saw, I saw the last 20 minutes of six on a treadmill on closed captions at the gym. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> Granted, it was in closed captions. The vibes were good. It had this kind of shot on video feel i don't know it was all right Grainy. loomis was as, as unhinged as ever i'm excited to check it out so that's what's going to be coming up anything you guys want to mention or plug before we uh wrap things actually i want to plug something um on my sub stack which i put in the show notes i actually did post the next edition of my favorite films i watched last year and actually i've been working on my last list so hopefully by next episode i'll finally complete it i've been putting it off you know weddings coming up and putting it off for ages so Almost done because I want to get it done so that, you know, November, December rolls around. I can get a head start talking my favorite new watches from this year because there's really a lot of great stuff that I watched this year that I really would love to revisit and talk about. So any anything else from you guys you want to uh, plug? I think uh, a couple of shout outs to give. uh, I want to give a shout out to Jeff Daniel Phillips. Uh, He plays Herman Munster and uh, he's very active on social media and he's very uh friendly with his fans and he's just a pleasure and i really i really enjoy him as an actor uh and he's very excited about this movie despite all the negativity coming his way and then also um there's a new hellraiser movie coming out soon Mm. and there's a lot of awesome looks really good yeah there's a huge buzz about it like yeah man or whatever seven sequels who knows progressively yeah. worse yeah. a constant stream of garbage is uh pretty uh, pretty low to garbage uh, river yeah so so they don't, they don't they don't have much competition to beat but hopefully yeah. it'll be good uh i don't know cool. where, when or where it's coming out but i'm excited i think, I think it's, it's a, a hulu I, thing I, I, yeah i believe it's a hulu release and yeah. it's coming in a couple of weeks i believe oh, okay i was just about to cancel hulu but uh i'll hang on to it for a while yeah buddy Oh, all right, cool. that's all I got. All right, good anything stuff. else for you guys? Are we good? To that's all. We're good to go. I'm good to go. Yeah. All right, yeah. folks. We'll see you again soon. If you hear any knocking, uh, call your local ghost hunters. So take care, folks. Look out for them pipes. <laughs> see you guys. See you guys. All right. Bye.